Passes to India, Chapter 7, Part 3 Aziz thought of his bungalow with horror. It was a detestable shanty near a low bazaar. There was practically only one room in it and that infested with small black flies. Oh, but we will talk of something else now, he exclaimed. I wish I lived here. See this beautiful room. Let us admire it together for a little. See those curves at the bottom of the arches. What delicacy! It is the architecture of question and answer. Mrs. Moore, you are in India. I am not joking. The room inspired him. It was an audience hall built in the 18th century for some high official and though of wood had reminded Fielding of the Logia de Lenghi at Florence, little rooms, now Europeanized, clung to it on either side, but the central hall was unpeppered and unglassed, and the air of the garden poured in freely. One sat in public, on exhibition, as it were, in full view of the gardeners who were screaming at the birds and of the man who rented the tank for the cultivation of water, chestnut. Fielding led the mango trees too. There was no knowing who might not come in, and this servant sat on his steps night and day to discourage thieves. Beautiful, certainly, and the Englishman had not spoiled it. Whereas Aziz, in an occidental moment, would have hung Maude Goodman's on the walls. Yet there was no doubt to whom the room really belonged. I am doing justice here. A poor widow who has been robbed comes along and I gift her fifty rupees, to another a hundred, and so on, and so on. I should like that. Mrs. Moore smiled thinking of the modern method as exemplified in her son. Rupees don't last forever, I'm afraid, she said. Mine would. God would give me more when he saw I give. Always be giving, like the Nawab Bahadur. My father was the same. That is why he died poor. And pointing about the room, he peopled it with clerks and officials all benevolent because they lived long ago. So we would sit giving forever on a carpet instead of chairs. That is the chief change between now and then. But I think we would never punish anyone. The ladies agreed. Poor criminal, give him another chance. It only makes a man worse to go to prison and to be corrupted. His face grew very tender, the tenderness of one incapable of administration and unable to grasp that if the poor criminal is let off, he will again rob the poor widow. He was tender to everyone except a few family enemies whom he did not consider human. On these he desired revenge. He was even tender to the English. He knew at the bottom of his heart that they could not help being so cold and odd and circulating like an ice stream through his land. We punish no one, no one, he repeated, and in the evening 
we will give a great banquet with a notch and lovely girls shall shine on every side of the tank with fireworks in their hands and all shall be feasting and happiness until the next day when there shall be justice as before 50 rupees a hundred a thousand till peace comes oh why didn't we live in that time but are you admiring mr fielding's house do look how the pillars are painted blue and the verandas pavilions what do you call them that are above us inside are blue also look at the carving on the pavilions think of the hours it took their little roofs are curved to imitate bamboo so pretty and the bamboos waving by the tank outside mrs moore mrs moore well she said laughing you remember the water by our mosque it comes down and fills this tank a skillful arrangement of the emperors they stopped here going down into bengal they loved water wherever they went they created fountains gardens hammams i was telling mr fielding i would give anything to serve them he was wrong about the water which no emperor however skillful can cause to gravitate a fill a depression of some depth together with the whole of chandrapur lay between the mosque and fielding's house ronnie would have pulled him up turton would have wanted to pull him up but restrained himself fielding did not even want to pull him up he had dulled his craving for verbal truth and cared chiefly for truth of more as for miss quested she accepted everything aziz said as true verbally in her ignorance she regarded him as india and never surmised that his outlook was limited and his method inaccurate and that no one is india how much now much excited chattering away hard and even saying damn when he got mixed up in his sentences he told them of his profession and of the operations he had witnessed and performed and he went into details that scared mrs moore though miss quested mistook them for proofs of his broad-mindedness she had heard such talk at home in advanced academic circles deliberately free she supposed him to be emancipated as well as reliable and placed him on a pinnacle which he could not retain he was high enough for the moment to be sure but not on any pinnacle wings bore him up and flagging would deposit him the arrival of professor godbully quieted him somewhat but it remained his afternoon the brahman polite and enigmatic did not impede his eloquence and even applauded it he took his tea at a little distance from the outcast from a low table placed slightly behind him to which he stretched back and as it were encountered food by accident all feigned indifference to professor godbley's tea he was elderly and wizen with a grey moustache and grey blue eyes and his complexion was a fair as a european's
He wore a turban that looked like pale purple macaroni coat, waistcoat, dhoti, socks with clogs. The clogs matched the turban, and his whole appearance suggested harmony, as if he had reconciled the products of east and west, mental as well as physical, and could never be discomposed. The ladies were interested in him. and hoped that he would supplement dr aziz by saying something about religion but he only ate ate and ate smiling never letting his eyes catch sight of his hand leaving the mogul emperors aziz turned to topics that could distress no one he described the ripening of the mangoes and how in his boyhood he used to run out in the rains to a big mango grove belonging to an uncle and gone there then back with water streaming over you and perhaps rather a pain inside but i did not mind all my friends were peening with me we have a proverb in urdu what does unhappiness matter when we are all unhappy together which comes in conveniently after mangoes miss questus do wait for mangoes why not settle all together in india i'm afraid i can't do that said adela she made the remark without thinking what it meant to her as to the three of men it seemed in key with the rest of the conversation and not for several minutes indeed not for half an hour did she realize that it was an important remark and ought to have been made in the first place to ronnie visitors like you are too rare they are indeed said professor godbelly such a fobility is seldom seen but what can we offer to detain them mangoes mangoes they laughed even mangoes can be got in england now put in fielding they ship them in ice cold rooms you can make india in england apparently just as you can make england in india frightfully expensive in both cases said the girl i suppose so and nasty but the host wouldn't allow the conversation to take this heavy turn he turned to the old lady who looked flustered and put out he could not imagine why and asked about her own plans she replied that she should like to see over the college everyone immediately rose with the exception of professor godbelly who was finishing a banana don't you come to adela you dislike institutions yes that is so said miss quested and sat down again aziz hesitated his audience was splitting up the more familiar half was going but the more attentive remained reflecting that it was an unconventional afternoon he stopped talk went on as before could one offer the visitors unripe mangoes in a fool i speak now as a doctor no then the old man said but i will send you up a few healthy sweets i will give myself that pleasure miss quested professor godbless sweets are delicious said aziz sadly 
for he wanted to send sweets too and had no wife to cook them. They will give you a real Indian treat. Ah, oh, in my poor position, I can give you nothing. I don't know why you say that, when you have so kindly asked us to your house. He thought again of his bungalow with horror. Good heavens, the stupid girl had taken him at his word. What was he to do? Yes, all that is settled, he cried. I invite you all to see me in the Marabar Capes. I shall be delighted. Oh, that is a most magnificent entertainment compared to my poor sweets. But has not Miss Quested visited our capes already? No, I have not even heard of them. Not heard of them? Both cried. The Marabar Capes in the Marabar Hills. We hear nothing interesting up at the club. Only tennis and ridiculous gossip. The old man was silent, perhaps feeling that it was unseemly to her to criticize her race, perhaps fearing that if he agreed, she would report him for disloyalty. But the young man uttered a rapid, I know. Then tell me everything you will, or I shall never understand India. Are they the hills I sometimes see in the evening? What are these caves? Aziz undertook to explain, but it presently appeared that he had never visited the cave himself, had always been meaning to go, but work or private business had prevented him and they were so far. Professor Godbully chaffed him pleasantly. My dear young sir, the pot and the kettle, have you even heard of that useful proverb? Are they large caves? she asked. No, not large. Do describe them, Professor Godbully. It will be a great honor. He drew up his chair and an expression of tension came over his face. Taking the cigarette box, she offered to him and to Aziz and lit of herself. After an impressive pause, he said, There is an entrance in the rock which you enter. And through the entrance is the cave. Something like the caves at Elephanta? Oh, no, not at all. At Elephanta, there are sculptures of Siva and Parvati. There are no sculptures at Marabar. They are immensely holy, no doubt, said Aziz, to help on the narrative. Oh, no, oh, oh, no. Still, they are ornamented in some way. Oh, no. Well, why are they so famous? We all talk of the famous Marabar Caves. Perhaps that is our empty brag. No, I should not quite say that. Describe them to this lady then. It will be a great pleasure. He forewent the pleasure and Aziz realized that he was keeping back something about the caves. He realized because he often suffered from similar inhibitions himself, sometimes to the exasperation of major calendar. He would pass over the one relevant fact in a position to dwell on the hundred irrelevant. The major accused him of disingenuousness and was roughly right, but only roughly. 
it was rather that a power he could not control capriciously silenced his mind carbole had been silenced now no doubt not willingly he was concealing something handled subtly he might regain control and announce that the marabar caves were full of stalactites perhaps aziz led up to hades but they weren't